Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. As I said multiple times today... Or yesterday, as as it may be now, the buzz was real throughout the day in New York City. And man, did it carry over into Madison Square Garden for UFC 281. We got two new world champions crowned, including a come-from-behind stunner in the main event. As we welcome you to the live UFC 281 post-fight show. Thank you for joining us. Got a lot of coverage. A lot going on. I am Mike Hack, joined by Mr. Jed Mishu, who is still on with us, still live with us. He's been live for a lot of tonight's festivities, but... I'm so excited Jed. to have desk at 9 a.m. tomorrow. Let's I know. go. Let's go, baby. <laughs> Man, Hell of I a mean, night of fights, though, baby. Hell yeah, of a night what, of fights. What a card this was. We have Best a of the year. Champion. Yeah, it's definitely up there in the conversation. I know this is a, a recency bias thing, but I feel like this one is is right up there. But we have a new middleweight champion of the world, Alex Pereira, heading into the fifth round, needing a finish against Israel Adesanya, and he goes in there and gets it done. So, two questions, Jed. One, what was your reaction to the way this one unfolded, especially the conclusion of it? And the other big question that people continuously are asking, and Israel Adesanya mentioned it at the at the press conference, was the stoppage a good one? Were you okay with it? So we talked about the stoppage on the post-pressure show. I'm fine with it. I don't want to delve too deep into it. You can go back and watch that if you really want my opinion on it. It's uh, I am always on the side of I'd rather see one too many shots than one too few. So I could have seen one one or two more. I didn't think I was not like that's a bad stoppage in real time. And certainly when you go back and watch the replay of it, Izzy's hands are nowhere near protecting him and his head is staring down at the mat. Like he is the textbook definition of no longer intelligently defending himself. So the stoppage is fine. Could have gone a couple more and I wouldn't have hated it, but I don't think this needs to be a story to to talk about here. It, It is what it is. And the reality is even if the stoppage doesn't happen, him being that close should warrant, uh, you know, a 10-8, 10-7 there and, and probably change change nothing about the outcome here. The right guy got his hand raised at the end. As for the second, my thoughts were, I'm an extremely online person. I don't know about you, Mike, but I'm on the Twitter machine a whole lot. And while a number of fun things have been happening in the Twitter world this past <laughs> week or so, prior to that, uh, the, a, a meme had been expanding very heavily of a, of a lovely gentleman with a graph and the graph was uh, a line and then two, you know, drawing a square of, you know, the more you F around, the more you're going to find out. And Israel Adesanya F'd around and boy, did he find out like that was my, that was my take on it. Like I have no idea what Izzy's game plan was. It is, um, I've said it before, I am not him, right? He is obviously much better at the at the fist fighting of people than I am. But if you told me coming into this fight that he was going to willingly back up and put himself against the fence and and close fight in a condensed space with this man, I was I would have felt really confident that eventually Pajeda is going to get a knockout. And that's sort of what happened because to me his advantage was always in space and movement, you know. 
in in kickboxing, it's a ring. It's easier to cut somebody off. It's either to, easier to put him in a corner. He can't angle out as as simply. It's a big ocean of space, and is he so good at moving through it? And we saw at points in this fight him do that. But he also, for just huge amounts of time, was seemingly comfortable letting Pajeda dictate the pace coming forward, trying to hand fight and look for counters. And that is, you cannot do that. You can't do it for as much as he did. And the fact that he got away with it as long as he did is is impressive. But he effed around too much, and he found out. And like it's... I, it's hard for me to see this any other way than the same way his other fights have gone. He is the more talented fighter, but it only it doesn't take much with Pajeda, and he keeps giving Pajeda chances, and, and that's what's going to happen if he continues to fight in the same way. Yeah, it was it was definitely interesting because we obviously were doing the the watch party as the fight was going down, or we're watching it and. Adesanya through three because the third round's the one where he almost got the finish, right? That was it was the third oh, round no, that, where, or was it the fourth? No, the the well the the first round is where Adesanya almost got the finish at the end of the first round where he buzzed him. Oh, that's right, that's him. right, that's right. That's the first round. The third round is where Adesanya gets the the takedown and is controlling the grappling very very heavily. The fourth, not a ton happens in the fourth. Right, and and what was interesting about Dana White's post fight press conference was he pinpointed that fourth round as like a pivotal point as to why Adesanya lost that fight. Like he wasn't aggressive enough. He kind of let Pereira get back into it and he lost the round, but he didn't do a whole lot to really get Pereira to back away from him or, or, or do much. I don't know if, if, if I necessarily buy that. I, I think I'm more on your side where, do. Yeah, do, do you? I mean, the the aggression, sure, but I I think it's a, has does certainly have a lot to do with him just going up against the fence and and playing with fire yeah. just a little bit too much. Like he was he was doing okay. He knew he was going to get hit, and he did. But he Pereira just wasn't landing that that big clean hundred percent shot. Mm-hmm. And when you play with fire too much, you, you're just gonna get burnt, man. And that's what happened in that fifth round. It is, and that's uh, it. Wasn't so. I actually a little bit agree with Dana, just because the third round was so strong for Izzy. I and it looked like Pajeda was fading. Like it looked like he he was tired, and then Izzy didn't really come and put on him. And I felt the same in the second, where he has he has Pajeda hurt at the end of that round, like in real bad trouble. He said it himself at the post presser, "You give me five more seconds, and this fight's a wrap." And yet, despite that. He doesn't come out and try and try and do it. He doesn't come and put it. Pajeda wins the second round because is yep. he? It, uh, his his strategic choices were baffling. A lot of his tactical choices were brilliant. I loved what he did with the clinch. He was doing great work hand fighting, but his overarching just comfort and to some extent almost felt like he was inviting it, like it was hubris of I'm going to beat this guy this way. I have no idea what was going on there. It. But I tweeted, I think, in the second round, I was like, Izzy can win this fight if he keeps doing this. He's that good. It's possible. But it's it's the worst possible way to fight this. And it is ultimately where it happened. Like, and DC said it, I, I think, immediately afterwards, or maybe it was Anik. And I wrote about it this week, and I've been saying it for a long time. It's like, yes, Izzy is is technically able to do this. But giving a man like that 25 minutes is so, so intrinsically dangerous. And it's so much safer to just try and get him out of there. And I think it is he come and just been like, I'm going to set the tone. I think it would have been fine because but the, those punches Pajero landed would have put most men to sleep. Izzy was still there. Like he can take a shot. He's got a good damn chin on him. And he needs he needed to do a little more and – at every point in time, he just kind of wasn't. And it's weird to, to approach it like this because this man was three minutes away from getting this big win. But if they if they do do the rematch at some point, like I'm going to take Pajero because I, I can't trust that Izzy's going to fight to maximize his chances to win this one. They're definitely going to try to go back to this rematch as quickly as possible because it's going to be absolutely gigantic when it happens. I don't know if they're going to do it, 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 I don't know where they're, if they're going to do it in the States or somewhere else. But the one thing I thought about in the aftermath of all of this was after Alex Pereira beat Sean Strickland, after 276, we did our ranking show 
and we talked about Alex Pereira and we had this discussion on whether or not, like, we don't know if Alex Pereira is the best middleweight in the world or if he's like the 11th best middleweight in the world. And I feel like even after this performance, I'm still not sure. Like, I, I'm still not sure. Like, maybe he just has Izzy's number. I don't know. Like, did, did you learn anything new from Alex Pereira? Like, we knew the dangers that this man possesses with his hands. We know how powerful he is. But did you learn anything truly new about him in this fight? I did. My estimation went up a little bit because I'll tell you what I learned. That man has got real, real heart because – I thought he was in real trouble at the end of that first round and coming out for the second one tremendous corner work. They told him everything correctly at all points in time to that first round. It was, you get better. Like, let's, let's settle this down. You got, you got a minute to recover, uh, heading into the fifth. They told him no uncertain terms. You got to knock this dude out. If you want to be champion, it's now, it's now or never do it. They also pulled the ice trick. Get, buy him a couple extra seconds to <laughs> charge up them batteries, you know, savvy work from there. And it's, uh, I thought they did a great job and the, he had heart because I thought that after that first round, things were going to be really bad. Came out, won that second round. I thought after the third round, things were really bad. He came out and lost that round, but he wasn't done. He was not defeated. And then he came out in the fifth and he did. And I think it was Cormier definitely that says it. He knows he's got the zit. This is the last five. He's going to dump everything he's got here. And he did. Like, this is, he was prepared for 25 minutes of fighting. He fought in a way to do that. We learned that he's got some real clear deficiencies in the grappling department as well. We kind of all assume that, but they're confirmed. But it may not matter because he hits really hard. He's so good on the feet. We're not going to talk about it uh, uh, because of everything else, but like, the stuff he was doing on the feet, Izzy was doing better. But when you're going toe-to-toe with Israel Adesanya and and having your moments and winning, his body work, his kicks, like he was doing his checking of kicks, he was he's so very good there that there are a handful of dudes I think I'd pick to beat him at this point just because of how deficient he is on the ground. But it would not surprise me at all if he could beat every one of them because he's he is very talented and one very – clear aspect and so and now i know that he is not a wilting lily he is maybe he's not all the way ready for mma yet like he still needs some more dev time but this dude has what it takes when when it gets down to brass tacks and that is a huge huge feather in his cap i agree with 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 a lot of you just said and and this is why i had Pereira ranked higher than anybody else after that that fight i just I, i mean it didn't have like number two or anything but i think i had him higher than anybody else I agree with the hard thing. The one other thing that that really stood out to me about Pereira's performance is that this man does not get over emotional at all. Like he was not in some tough that. spots, and I thought like the big I thought the big factor in this fight was that Izzy was going to do what he did through the first three rounds, and then Pereira was going to get a was going to get frustrated and try to overcompensate and try to make something happen, and he just stayed stoic and calm and cool the entire time and. That was a, a really key element to me in this fight. Of course, in the fifth, he needed a finish, so he went out and got a little more aggressive. But even then, in the fifth, like he was very smart about it. He didn't go in there and just try to go bananas and try to drop kick him out of the octagon. He was still very calculated with with how he handled himself, and I think that makes him such a dangerous guy. That you know, it's not just no emotion at the press conference. Like, he didn't even smile when he won the belt. He was just like, do-do-do-do-do, just very stoic the whole way. But I just thought his ability to stay patient, even when the times got tough, despite not having a ton of experience in MMA, was super impressive to me. Oh, yeah, man, absolutely. And that that was the thing that I never had. I was not really concerned with that aspect of it from him, just because he has so much combat sports experience that I never really thought he would get out of his skis in that regard. But I didn't know what he would look like if somebody grappled him for a while and he got tired, you know, like that's because MMA is very, it is a very different tire to be grappling tired than it is to be kickboxing tired. And he did, didn't matter, came through like he's, He's built for this shit, man. And I don't know if he's going to have a long reign. I don't know if he's going to lose the belt immediately. I I know he is for real. He is a legitimate top middleweight in the world. And he's fascinating. I'm so excited to see what goes on with him. 
Because even though he might not be the best guy and he might be like the fifth best guy, it's he is compelling. And that that's what I'm here for. Yeah, he's kind of got star potential. He may not express a lot of emotion, but he knows where that hard camera is at all times. Uh, tremendous performance, tremendous fight. At worst case scenario for Pereira, he's going to get two more. At worst, he's going to get two more cracks at Adesanya. So if Adesanya wins the rematch, you know they're going to do a trilogy fight. So they have to, yeah. Worst case scenario, he fights Adesanya two more times. So he's going to get a couple. <laughs> he's going. I mean, he's going to get one huge bag. He might get two. Like out it, of all of this, it's insane. how incredibly funny is it if, if they rematch and he just knocks out Adesanya again? It's just like, is he your? You're really good. You just can't ever beat this dude. Sucks to be you. <laughs> it's just unbelievably bad luck. Because, like, again, I think Pajeda will lose pretty soon. Like, he won't put together the run as he did in any regard. I'd be pretty shocked given his age and his clear deficiencies. But it's just like, yeah, I didn't need to. I know that I'm better at this guy at the things that he does, and he's not good at the other aspects of MMA to to overcome that. So I'm just going to beat him. It's, it'd be awesome. And beat him, he did in pretty surprising fashion. Uh, just just an, a fun fight, and it just capped off just a very chaotic and fun card. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Support for this podcast comes from Smart Water. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smart Water Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smart Water Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. But before that happened, Zhang Wei Li beat Carlos Barza, but you were on the, the, watch, the watch party with us as this fight was happening. Carla had herself a pretty decent first round. She didn't win the first round, but she was much more competitive that I thought she was going to be even, you know, she got a takedown. She actually held Zhang down for a little while, which I mean, Zhang eventually got back to her feet, won the round, but still Carla had her moments. And then second round, Zhang Wei Li just goes in there and finishes her in the second. And we just knew it was just a matter of time, but Carla, you know, I got to give it to her. She came out focused, ready to go. She wasn't afraid at all. And she got right after it. She was striking with her. She was landing shots Got a couple of takedowns. One stuck for a little bit longer than the others. And I thought she had a good accounting of herself. She just got outmatched and outpowered and out like out athlete, out out athleted, whatever that word's gonna be. But good fight. But Zhang Wei Li is just I mean, Zhang Wei Li is just is just a different animal. And we've seen what happens when Carla takes on these fighters who are just incredible athletes that are just really strong and, and really powerful. And, and John went in there and got, and got the job done. Yeah. And it's, um, you really summed it up. Well, it is, I was impressed by Carla, maybe not the, how she performed, but the way in which she did it. Right. Because she, she came into that fight believing she could win. And that is not necessarily what I would have thought would have happened, but she came in and struck with Wiley Zhang and she did fine at it. And it's, because some some part of striking is just confidence, right? The the willingness to hit and get hit, to not be, to not be afraid of what's coming back. And she was clearly not afraid. I changed a little bit after Zhang hit her in the second, and you started to see her get a little bit more desperate for those takedowns, and then the end came as it did. But that first round, she was not afraid to go in there and say she did not come in there with the with the mindset of if I do not get takedowns, I am going to get just duck hunted right here is i gotta go in and i'm going to fight her the takedowns will come but i'm comfortable striking with her and it showed and i don't think like i said i was extremely clear i don't think there was ever a world in which she could have won this fight but she went in there to give it her best shot and she did and that's 
commendable. And she, I, I thought she lost the first round, but she looked better than I anticipated. And, you know, maybe if Zhang goes, maybe Zhang doesn't quite get that tie up on the back crucifix because we saw it happen in the first round. She went for the same position and Carla just got a freed her arm, turned and had top on her. Maybe the same thing happens here and, and she can start building some momentum. Ultimately, that's not what happened. And I don't think there was any way else for it to go, but she gave a good accounting of herself. And that's as, as best as you can ask. I hope just people gain a little bit of extra respect for her so that the next time she fights, she's not getting booed out of every building that she's. She lasted longer than Jessica and Josh did. Yeah. A hundred percent. Do you feel like they're just the UFC is going to go back to the Rosewell or do you think think maybe they give, you think they'll go with Amanda Lamos? What what do you think they're going to do here? I don't know. I just don't think it's going to be Rose. I, Maybe they do because they love Rose, but it is to me it is impossible to sell her even with the two wins over Zhang just because the last taste everyone has in their mouth is literally the worst fight of all time. Like the in modern MMA, Rose Carla 2 is the worst fight of all time. You know, that and that is the last experience people have with her. I'm not saying they can't sell it because they probably still could. But you just have Rose fight somebody, uh, and it's fine. Do Limosh. Limosh can, can fight Wiley. Coming off a big win. Impressive performance over the woman who should have gotten the title shot already. So, yeah, do Limosh. That's fine, and Rose can fight somebody else. Not Carla. Never put those two women against each other ever, <laughs> ever again. Uh, but she's pick somebody else. I, I can't even think off the top of my head who – I mean, you could do Rose Marina. They're both coming off L's. Like, that's that's fine. However they want to do it. I just – it's hard for me to envision they give Rose a title shot given how bad that performance was. We go to the featured bout and look, Chandler Poirier delivered. It was sure just did. a wild, crazy fight. I don't think it's going to be like the fight of the year. It will probably be on the top – on some top five list for sure. But to me, like if there's a category for the gnarliest fight of the year, this one has to be the gnarliest fight of the year. We saw – we saw everything. We saw momentum. We saw, I mean, we saw Dustin Poirier taste a pint of Michael Chandler's blood in this so fight. So much blood. It was the gnarliest fight. And Dustin Poirier gets, gets a freaking submission win in the third round. I mean, just the gnarliest fight of the year. So, yeah, I think gnarliest, that's a great term for what happened. So much blood. Um, a lot of, like, semi-cheating apparently um and also like actually true if you're watching in real time great fight uh we were talking about on the on the watch along it's rare that fights like this live up to the expectation it happens but usually you hype something up and it doesn't deliver and this one we all thought it was going to even knowing that about how fights work we're like it really seems like there's no way that this fight doesn't deliver and then it did just two dudes getting out there chucking uh incredibly fun great win for poirier he's gonna fight benny dariush he's gonna lose to benny dariush my thought in this fight my overarching thought outside of wow this is cool and everything going on is yeah i think both of these guys would not do very well against like the the young hotness that's in this division that that hadn't gotten the chance yet you know like i don't if Dustin Poirier fights Isla Makachev, that's just a murder. <laughs> that's all that's going to happen. Uh, and I feel really, really similar for Michael Chandler. It's just they're great guys, great fighters, long, illustrious careers. And we'll, I'll support the hell out of it and watch every time they fight until from here to eternity. But I think they're not really f- like in the top five lightweights anymore. But they can still deliver one of the five best fights of the year. And that matters a lot more. Yeah, Poirier's the difference in power between Poirier and Chandler was immense. Like Chandler was landing and he, he hit Poirier with some good shots, but he was just throwing with everything he had. Poirier was just Chandler's, landing jabs. Yeah. And yeah, and Chandler was like a cartoon. He was like Homer Simpson getting in a fight. Like when you get hit with a jab and your face just starts to color up, like you could see just a, such a clear difference in the power, even the technique too. Cause when yep. Poirier was landing, like it was. You could see it immediately on Chandler's face. Poirier gets a really good flick on the wrist. Poirier's always been like sneaky, one of the hardest hitters in the division because he doesn't 
he packs a punch without having to put a lot of weight into it. Chandler has power, but his power is all explosion. It's all toes up, leaning in punch. You know, it, it's not the same. We're not working with the same same gear. And that still can work. And for a minute there, it really looked like it might work on Poirier. But we were talking about on the watch along. The problem with the way Chandler fights is he maybe doesn't gas out, gas out but his his power bar goes down like his, the the power he packs in his punches drops because a lot of that is just an energy based punch it's not natural heavy handedness and mechanics and so chandler wins the second round with the grappling but at the end of that first round after he's really thrown a bunch of huge huge shots Poirier is just kind of sitting in the pocket getting the hands going rolling and then you see him light him up with just just snaps, just flicks, nothing big and getting going. Like Poirier, dude still has really, really good boxing. Uh, and that's really what carried the day. I, I, I know that's not how he won. Obviously gets a great submission, but he won that fight with his boxing. Yeah, great performance from Dustin Poirier. Just a super fun fight. If you haven't watched it, super definitely fun. go back and watch it. I mean, there's a lot of fights you should probably go back and watch. One you might want to stay away from if you didn't watch the card tonight was the final appearance for Frankie Edgar. He goes in there with Chris Gutierrez. We talked about it a lot, about how neither of us were really in favor of this matchup. I did not expect this to happen. I expected maybe Frankie's just going to come out like a house of fire, maybe land a takedown, maybe steal a round. Gutierrez starts to get cooking in the second maybe kicks his legs, maybe gets a late TKO or, or or unanimous decision down the stretch. But man, I did not expect Frankie Edgar to be sleeping in the first round due to a flying knee from Chris Gutierrez, especially a guy in Chris Gutierrez who's not typically a very fast starter, but he came out throwing. He came out just the bigger, more physical fighter, and you could see it. And the movement, man, the movement of Chris Gutierrez just gets better and better each fight. While I still don't love the matchmaking, I feel like I didn't think there was a way Gutierrez could get over with this fight. I think he did. It's not huge, but I think he did get over with the way he did it. It was sad, but I think we realized Chris Gutierrez is probably better than we thought. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Case and I were talking during the presser. I don't. I agree. I don't think he got over, and I don't think he got over in the way that makes it worth sending Frankie out in this way. But people know him now. Like you can't. If if you watched his card, and maybe before you don't, you can't think of who Chris Gutierrez is off the top of your head. Now you're like, oh, he's the dude who ethered Frankie, and that is something because he's got some some talent. I don't think he's really making a title run. He's probably just too old at this point, 31. And I know that that sounds ridiculous, but for the high-end divisions in this sport, like Bantamweight, Lightweight, et cetera, it's NFL age groups and timelines, you know? (laughs) That's where we're at. if, If you're in your 30s, you're ancient. And so he's probably a little old to make a real title run, but... Uh, I'm going to step on your toes, Mike, for the old Otno game here. Give me him versus Adrian. I don't know. I, I'm so compelled to find out what Jed's going to say. He's frozen in time. I'm Jed. Hi. Against who? I. I... <laughs> 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 oh, Jed lost power. Of yeah. course he lost power. Unbelievable. <laughs> AJ oh, Chandler. Yeah. Like who who? He was he was gonna say Adrian Giannis. Broder. Uh, yeah, I know. yeah, yeah. Uh, uh I will not be I what, I will what, not what, be what? picking I will not be picking Adrian Yaz in that spot. Um I mean if they make it, why the hell not? Uh, I, I will watch the hell out of it. That will not be my my on to the next one selection. So uh Jed lost power. He is just frozen in time his whole home news power what happened like yeah hey, i mean maybe they're dealing with some wins some remnants if you will all right. All right. but all right maybe jed will come back but let's move on I mean, casey I guess, oh i guess i guess no, no no i'm here hold on let me gotta switch out oh sorry oh now i'm two people yeah two people there okay. we go all right i wasn't I, I, all right it's me now <laughs> there now it's back now it's back to casey in in, in the pipes yeah Dan Hooker, 
Dan Hooker kicks off the main card, takes on Claudio Poyas. This is a very interesting fight because Claudio Poyas had the five-fight win streak. It looks like maybe sneaky Claudio Poyas is going to go in there and wrap up another leg, but Dan Hooker just stayed calm, cool, collected, was able to escape, and then it was almost like watching... GC brought up Ryan Hall. It was almost like watching a Ryan Hall fight moving in forward. round one. <laughs> and after that, too, because just, I mean, it points in round one, but yeah. if you watch a Ryan Hall fight and he goes to the second round, he doesn't get you out of there in the first. You're, he's just going to keep diving for legs and, and just hoping for something to happen. And Dan Hooker just, just pieced him up. And it was a, it was a poor man. I'll give it a poor man's Ryan Hall. Right, but it was yeah. it was Hall esque uh, for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, okay, I see what you're saying. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, and the crowd did not so, like it. <laughs> the crowd did not like it. So, a lot of people were asking, like, where does Dan Hooker go from here? Mm-hmm. And I, it, like, if he lost this fight, where would he go? And I wasn't. I feel like he might already be here, and and I mean this with all due respect because I have a lot of respect for the man I'm about to mention. I feel like Dan Hooker can be the Neil Magny of the lightweight division. Like he's the dude. Like if if you have a surging contender who is on the precipice of being a top 15 fighter, you throw him in there with Dan Hooker. If you beat him, you know he's good. And if he can't, Dan Hooker's just going to be that guy who's just going to make life miserable. And he's going to re- will realize that maybe this up and coming lightweight contender just might not be that guy, might not be Armand Sarukian or, or somebody like that. I feel like that's where he is. And he can make a damn good living doing that. He's going to get some big fights. He's going to win a a bunch of them. He's going to lose a couple. But, Jed, beating Dan Hooker means something still. And this is a big win for him. There's nothing wrong with being a Neil Magny type at 155 pounds. Someone's got to do it. And Dan Hooker, I think, is a a fine representative for that slot. He's going to do better than Neil Magny just because he's – people like him more. He's got more of a personality that's outward in there. And it's – not everyone's going to fight for championships. In fact, most fighters aren't going to fight for championships. Even fewer are going to be champions. That is just how this sport works. But you can be incredibly relevant and make a lot of money and build a brand you can then leverage into other things. And there's nothing wrong with being one of the 20 best guys in the world or one of the 10 best guys in the world in any profession you would take that. You'd be like, I'm one of the 10 best dudes at my job in the whole world. <laughs> and that's like the way the nature of sport and particularly individual sports like this, it's like, well, he's a bum. Like, no, he's just a good fighter who can't beat Islam Makachev because no one can beat Islam Makachev and stuff like that. Like, I have no idea how good or not Hooker is. I think he has a ton of potential. I have no idea if that's going to get actualized, but... I know that he's not a championship level fighter, but if every if all the cards broke right, here's where here's where we differ. I think that there's still a world where Dan Hooker could maybe put together a late career Dustin Poirier esque run, gets the right matchups, develops in the next two years. He's working with a great team, and then suddenly, like, oh, now he's in the top five because again, he gave poor, went hammer and tongs with Poirier for twenty five, like. He has got a high-end ceiling. It's it's just what fighter's going to show up on fight night. And, you know, ob- obviously things are also – were very weird during COVID. Everything is a little bit thrown up in the air. And he says that that affected him really badly, and maybe it did. Who the hell knows? So, But, yeah, this is a guy who's going to be in your life for the next five years, like doing things that are relevant in this sport, and that's good enough. Absolutely, 100%. We'll go to the peeps in a minute because it's 4.15 in the morning. And listen, we, we don't know. The, the beauty of this card and at this time, Jed, is that there's a ton of like memorable moments that will stick to our minds when thinking about this card. But there's not a ton of like – there's not a ton of like post-fight storylines. You know what I mean? Like the, the big storylines, we kind of know where they're already heading at this point. It's just a great card that delivered, and oh, we don't need to dissect least it for six buns. What do you got? There's at least one post-fight story. I would like to say thank you to the power outage because I didn't have to talk about the execution, so that was dope uh, that I got to miss that whole portion of this thing. Uh, 
there is one big storyline out of this, and you could I, I'm willing to argue too, but we don't need to talk about Anna Blanchfield. She's going to be a champion. That's that's all we knew. We probably should have known it before, but now I'm very very confident. The big storyline is, it's the other sad part of this card. It's it's old Dom Reyes. Yeah, just it's just that's tough. tough. It's just. I thought that that could happen. Uh, it's, I don't want to say cautionary tale because it's not like he did anything wrong and that's why his career derailed, but I think his career is done. Like I don't, we've seen, in, in my memory, I can think of one fighter who has come back from four losses in a row and a couple of them like bad KOs to have a relevant career. And it's Andre Arlovsky. He's the only guy I've ever known. He's done it three times, which is actually just incredible. But like everybody else, when when this is the skid you're on and you lose four in a row and three of them are are hard losses, like it's just it's just done. And that's yeah. weird. It's super weird to think that with him. This guy should have been the champion of the world. He should have been the guy who beat John Jones and now he's got brutally knocked out in three straight fights and brutally even doesn't even hurt. really describe. Yeah, that brutally doesn't even describe the last two. Like the Blahovich one was brutal. Yuri was scary. And then Ryan Spans was terrifying after like if you just keep adding yeah, them all up. It was really bad. It was, oh. it was very, 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 very difficult. And also the other the other aspect of this, uh, do we think Ryan Spans telling the truth about not training? Because – I have a lot more interest in him as a potential contender if he really just hadn't trained at all until right now. I mean, maybe that's why he missed weight because he didn't train. He just walked into – he just flew to New York and fought Dominic Reyes. The the man the man has the physical tools. So if he like only just now has started really training a lot, like actually putting his time and energy into full fight camps, I'm pretty young for the division, a lot of tools. I would – Maybe he's going to be really good now. I don't. I don't know if I can believe that statement from him. But if it's true, look out, light heavies. You guys might have a real problem coming down the pipe. That is a powerful man. That's so dude, powerful. I don't. I don't know what they're going to do with him. We'll. We'll figure it out. Um, light heavyweight's kind of a weird division right now with what's going on with Jan and Ankaliyev. Like what's going on with Anthony Smith? He's hurt and. We have all these up and comers. Cleo Roundtree is is a contender now after beating Dustin Jacoby. There's just so much happening right now, and Ryan Span versus pretty much anybody is must watch TV. Ryan Span, Cleo Roundtree. Let's do it. <sighs> Let's go. Somebody, somebody's going to sleep. That's what's happening. Yeah. Somebody is going to sleep. Uh, we didn't talk about it, and we don't need to get into it. I just want to throw this out here preemptively. I would just love to watch Alex Behetta fight some of these top light heavyweights, man. Like, I think mostly he probably just gets taken down and like tapped. But if you told me that Yuri wasn't going to grapple him and was just going to do Yuri weird shit, sign me up, baby. That is lightning in a bottle. Hey, listen, go beat Adesanya a second time. Just drop the belt and call out Yuri. Yeah. Go fight at 205. That would rule. That would be the that best be possible awesome. way to handle this. <laughs> that would I, be awesome. I don't need to defend against you bums. I'm just beating the, the guy twice, and I'm out of here. Good rule. Yeah, there was not a stinker on this entire card. Everything was everything was fun and somewhat compelling at all times. It was it was just it was just yeah. a fun card. Mike Trezano, Sung Woo Choi. If you told me that we might have an actual round of the year contender coming out of that fight heading in, probably would have laughed at you. But good lord, that fight was absolute insanity. So yeah. I don't want that to be forgotten with everything that happened on this main card. Sometimes card placement counts, and I know Casey's like a big advocate of that. We were um, talking about it before we did this. Yep. Yeah, and and I know he was mad. The Aaron Blanchfield fight was was where it was, but I'm actually happy. I actually think that's a good spot for her. I actually think that was a really good spot for her because the arena was near full for it. They were all into it. Molly got a huge pop, and a lot of eyeballs saw it. Probably more eyeballs saw Aaron Blanchfield beat Molly McCann than they would have on the pay per view main card. Like I understand I think, that there's. I think that should have been the prelim main event. That should have been the prelim main event. Yeah, after seeing yeah, Brad Riddell, that was. That I thought was it, I thought it too. beforehand, but that really should have been the prelim event. 
Yeah, I would add. Uh, in in hindsight, for sure, it should have been the prelim main event because Aaron Blanchard was a problem. Yeah, especially with the reaction that Molly got. Like, she's still a star, and I, I that's I why I felt this that. matchup. Yeah, the matchmaking was fantastic because if Molly won, I mean, just massive, massive movement. But if she loses, like, it's not the end of the world. It's okay. She's still she lost very to the popular. next champion of the division. It's fine. Yeah, she'll go fight in the UK first quarter of 2023 and they'll put her in there with someone that she'll probably destroy and she'll look like a superstar again it's all it's it's all good it's all good rainbows and sunshine baby let's go to the peeps let's go to the peeps if you're still up peeps with us at 4 20 eastern time i love you for the your dedication and commitment especially when there's football tomorrow at 9 30 you guys you're the real mvps you are the real mvps also, Forgot about that. Yeah, you, you make Chad a little bigger. So tiny also, go here. go dogs because I haven't mentioned it on any of the other podcasts today. But go dogs. Okay. Do they do they do they win? We clinched the SEC East. We will be playing LSU in the SEC championship game. There you go. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly—it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You know what? I I, I knew. I'm, I'm. I didn't even know what the bonuses were. I mean, obviously, we knew what the fight of the night's going to be. Uh, Alex it. Pereira and Whaley. Zhang Whaley. Yeah, just the top three guys all got an extra fifty k. Yeah, poor Matt Favola's. That fight was that was a great finish from Matt Favola too. And Hanato Moicano, how could we forget about Hanato Moicano? Moicano wants money. Moicano wants money. Well, that's why he he begged for money. Yeah, went, two, yeah. two two winners missed weight, so you can't give them money. And then two other people begged for money, so you can't you can't pay the people begging for money. That's bad luck. Well, it doesn't help when you drop. 87 f-bombs on espn news that's the second a language it's the second language it was still uh, spectacular his, his training partners clearly told him just say this word between every other word people will love it <laughs> it was it was awesome <laughs> that was it a was tremendous pro- oh promo. one of the most unexpected awesome promos i've ever heard i i was i was rolling on the floor laughing and just oh i just loved it so much uh, and the way it just it played out, like they had so much time to still waste that Rogan just let him go on for five <laughs> minutes. It was just, it was way to take advantage of the opportunity, man. My favorite part was Rogan was all like, "So, um, wh- what did you think of the finish? Like, can can you break down wh- what your expectations in the fight?" New York, no money. Like he just ignored everything Rogan asked and just started screaming oh. everything. And then, and in between every word, the f bomb. And then he, I'm sure oh, he kissed man. Rogan a couple of times. Oh, oh it, was it was amazing. amazing. <laughs> I love that guy. He's my favorite. He's my favorite fighter ever. Now, what a moment. <laughs> <laughs> just, he just moved my. He's the top of my list. Oh, that was fantastic. All right, All right what, what do we, we got, got here? Questions. Do do do. Um, eh, but. Let's go up to a bummer question right now. Let's just start out with these ones. Will nope. Dominic Reyes lose his job with four losses in a row? No, I don't nope. think so. I mean, they're all against ranked guys or, and or John Jones. So uh, if he wants the job, he'll get it. I, I don't know whether he'll want to keep fighting. I don't know, Dom, any, but I feel like if I were in his position, I would probably hang him up. Wow. Was it because of how quickly he lost, or was it one of those like how he lost? Because how, yeah, yeah. You know, the speed, the speed is not the thing, but the as the there was, third, there was something, there was something, tough there was something off. KO, yeah, and the way he came in and his hand down it was just something. It was something just something. Yeah, that just off. he he looked a little weird, but I, I don't know. I yeah. just 
I think I, I think I kind of forgot what good Dom Reyes looks like. I actually I don't remember. I, I, Bounce, I want to watch. Bouncing fast. <laughs> Bouncing yeah. fast. I I wonder if yeah I I don't know if I'll do it, but I kind of want to rewatch John Jones versus Reyes. I I, I mean I, I, I definitely have Reyes winning the fight, but I'm just kind of curious, like who was that guy, and what was the difference? I don't know. Maybe maybe uh, John Jones is a really bad off night. Who knows? <laughs> I, I'm certain that played a part. I also think just like we don't, I don't think we give enough credit to it. But like, there's a huge difference between true like confidence and false confidence. And like every fighter has false confidence, or they all believe they're the best. But I also think that most of them deep down know that they are not because it's hard to lie to yourself about being the best if you're some dude who's taken like eight L's. But if you get a young guy who's never lost before, like Dominic Reyes, like why wouldn't he think he's the best? He's never lost. He's the best guy in the gym he trains with every day. He comes in, he he beats John Jones, and like he just feels like he's the best. And then then he, he has to come to terms with I'm not. And I think that that's – I think that that really changes you and how you can approach and the level of confidence you can bring into a fight. And to some extent, it may just be that. They're like, well, I know I'm not the best anymore. And that that little piece, even if it's buried under layers and layers of self-belief, is still there. And it, it fucks you up. It kind of goes back to what you said about Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker seems okay. Dan Hooker doesn't come out there and say, I want to be Islam. Give me Islam Mahachev again. I'm ready this time. He doesn't yeah. say anything like that. He just says, hey. I, I train hard. I fight hard. I'm exciting. Just put me in big. Just give me fights, and maybe yeah. it's, maybe that's what Reyes needs in his head. Just hey, you know what? I'm just a guy making a living at 205. If I keep winning, cool. But I don't know. I I, don't, I would hate for him to retire because you know these guys put a lot of work into this. I want them to have a little bit bigger payoff. Well, but but the my damage, assumption is he doesn't retire. I just I would. Because the damage is the damage just isn't worth it, and that's always been my thing. Is like they don't get paid enough, and if I was is him, I'd be like, I don't, I just the way he is losing is in such a way that that he keeps doing that, and his his later life will be physically compromised in very serious ways. It's like, is that is that math worth it? Like, I know Frankie wanted to go out at the garden. I feel like Frankie in a couple years is going to be like, man, that wasn't. I should have just not done that. There's no point in that. I maybe that's going to be a problem for me later that I did that, and for what? I could have just left earlier. Do you think? Yeah. Like, do you think? Do you think Frankie should have gone out maybe a little bit more like Auto did, and sent, not in terms Auto didn't go out in a brutal loss, but Auto just kind of lost a fight, went home, and they just caught it a day without really Pretty, having a a big ceremony and final fight. I think everybody should, every fighter should do that. We talk about all the time. Nobody retires in this sport well. Habib is the only good one, and his Basically. is his retirement is not a good retirement because, because of the it way came it off happened. Death. Like, yeah, yeah the it, yeah. it just worked from him in this respect. And like, GSP retired on top. Everybody wants to retire on top instead of just retiring in a way. Like, I used this used to be a big talking point for me. It's like. Until GSP and then Khabib, Chris Lytle had like a very good argument to having the best MMA retirement <laughs> because he just fought a dude and left. It's like, I think it was Dan Hardy. He was just like, I'm afraid Dan Hardy, I'm going to leave. And it's like, oh, some guy who won like a semi-relevant fight and left. And it's like, it's not how you do. They beat them out of this sport in the worst ways possible. And it's, it's really, really a shame. Yeah, it's nice. It was, it was actually kind of refreshing the way Luke Rockhold retired too. Yeah, a lot that was of fighters, perfect. A lot of fighters, a lot of fighters would be like, "Oh, I was so close, I can come back and get it." And listen, after that fight with Paul Costa, if Luke wanted to do one more time, I don't think anyone yeah. would have complained. But he wasn't. But no, I mean, it's an ideal exit point for him. Yeah, ideal. I agree with that. Same with Jose. We're not going to think about Jose's as like this awesome retirement, but it's one of the five best retirements. Is like. Yeah, I've still got it. I'm still one of the top five dudes in this world, but I lost one. I'm not going to challenge for a belt, so I'm done. Speaking of guys taking lots of damage, um, um, it's kind of a loaded question, but yeah. Mike, how good is Chandler considering his wins haven't aged well? And with all due respect, he drops another one to Poirier, whose last win is against Conor McGregor. So this is this is one thing that I've talked about quite a bit. 
the fight in a vacuum between Poirier and Chandler is awesome and the fight delivered. But in terms of like stakes for the division, this the stakes are too high for this fight. They just were. When you have we talk about it all the time, it's like ad nauseum at this point. 55 is so loaded with talent with guys like there's like four or five guys that are outside of like the top eight that could fight for titles in the next two or three years if they are just given the opportunity to do that. So while we knew this fight would be great in terms of like you should just throw them in at like a these two are going to fight like 170. Just go in there and have a 170 fight like then there's there's a part of people who will be like, well, there's still two lightweights fighting at 170, but at least you take a lot of the stakes off the table. The fact that if, that Michael Chandler, if he won this fight, could have like jumped Benil Dariush, it, it would have. There was a very good chance that would happen, and it shouldn't. It shouldn't have been that way because he was two and two. His wins were against Dan Hooker, and they were against Tony Ferguson. That win has not aged well at all. The Oliveira fight was fun, sure, and Gaethje beat the hell out of him for 15 minutes like Chandler had a couple of moments in that early in the early goings of that first round but Gaethje dominated that fight that was not all that competitive oh, it was fun Jesus, okay yeah I was so yeah. confused because in my head I was hearing you say Poirier I was like Mike I don't want to put you on blast but Chandler very comfortably won that second round we were watching it together <laughs> no, I was completely I know I, I, that was yeah. me fucking up I was like what are you yeah. talking oh Gaethje yeah you're totally right there I was like <laughs> Like Benil, like Benil Darius is going to go fight Dustin Poirier, and that's cool. But Benil Darius shouldn't have to fight Dustin Poirier. He should just be the backup and get the next title shot against the winner of Makachev and Volkanovski. Like at this point, it should just be that way. But now he's going to probably have to fight Dustin Poirier, which cool. Like Benil will be favored to win and will have a very good chance to win that fight. But I don't know. It's just this division just. It's just strange. I think, and I actually think for the division to move forward, the result was probably the best thing that could have happened because Chandler's going to have to fight one of these hungry lions now. I mean, maybe he gets the Connor fight. That isn't out of the realm of possibility. Do it. Do it. Just book. I'm that fine with in. it. I'm fine with it. But if okay. Connor, like, if Connor's going to be out for most of next year, then Chandler's next fights are going to be against like Jalen Turner or somebody like that. Like that's, what's going to happen. He should, he should super not do that. <laughs> that's true. He should super not take that fight of offered. But see, but, but Chandler is Chandler's still good, but he's just super fun. And every time this guy fights, it's going to be gnarly and chaotic and crazy. And he might not win a lot of those fights, but they're going to be fun. And we're going to be talking about them at on fight of the year lists. That's just, who he is now and even grappler Chandler in the second round of that fight was still fun who's kind of gross at times when he was spewing blood all over Poirier's face but even grappler Chandler was was much more fun than grappler Chandler was in Bellator tonight in that second round I think mostly because his his insights were coming out of his nose but yeah I understand dude that this is the grossest thing I've seen in a really long time. That, like, the snot rocket, eventually, uh, was dude, just like... He did that on... I mean, I... It was 100% saying, on purpose. I, I, I no, yeah, you're never going to convince said, Dustin me. Dustin said, like, we've, like, we've been in gyms. We've trained. We, we know what we're doing. Like, yeah. you don't fish hook on accident. A finger might get in there a little bit, but th you know when your opponent is doing that and when you're blowing your insides out through your nose on your opponent you know exactly what you're doing <laughs> i think the fi my view is that the fish hook was a little bit accidental i don't think he was trying to get in the mouth i think he was trying to do the pivot on the nose because that is mean if you've ever been grappling with somebody it is, you do the it. nose pivot and that is the meanest shit in that's the one of those world. things when, when you're they training, never they, do they, it in fighting yeah it blows my mind i'm like i'm watching dudes fish like trying to find and i was like I don't know if nobody's just ever ripped your nose off your face, but you should do that because that really opens up the neck a lot. So yeah. I think he was trying to do that, and the hands got a little ran down. For sure, the snot rocket of blood was intentional. Like, that's not yeah. – yeah. and just say it. I'm not even saying that, like, to disparage Chandler because do it. Like, that's fine. Just say it. Like, like, go, go, it's a fight. Own it. Yeah, it's a fight. It. Just say that it's a fight. It's like, is it against? The, is it in the? Is it in the rule book? They didn't tell me that backstage. I can't do that. 
I actually don't think that necessarily is in the rule book. You're not allowed to spit on people, so you That's might not, be I able to. Like, that was, I, was, I know it's not spitting. You might be able to extrapolate that as unsportsmanlike <laughs> conduct, which is like their catch-all on the rules. But <laughs> I got just own it. The fight's over. Nothing bad's gonna happen. You can just say it. Like, yeah, I needed to get this out of my nose, and I happened to notice that he was right underneath me. And if I did this on him, cool. <laughs> just own that, man. It's fine. What if uh, he really won the fight that way somehow? I don't know how, but like that really turned the tide. Incredibly amusing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, to answer your question, Balaji, no one knows. No one knows how good Michael Chandler is. We just don't. He's probably top 10-ish, but like yeah. I can't – no one can feel confident based on his wins and his losses where he ranks in this lightweight division. Other than that, he's a good fighter and he's sure as hell fun. That is very All right. Um – I'm I'm bringing this up because I think uh, Mr. Heck, you talked about this. If Izzy loses, we're going to see a lot of this type of comments. No, Izzy was just overrated. It's like they forgot he lost to Jan and they kept making out like Izzy is undefeated in the UFC. (sighs) We're going to have to deal a lot with this type of attitude toward Izzy for the next few months until the rematch. So Kamaru Usman was overrated too because he was winning the fight three rounds to one and got knocked out by Leon Edwards. Is, is, is that the same thing? Like, I, I, I don't understand. I, I, I don't get it. Is he definitely overrated calling him the GOAT before he had done anything special? He had one amazing fight with Kevin. The rest were... <laughs> Kelvin. The rest were either like average Kevin. or boring. Yeah, the Paulo Costa fight was real boring. Yeah, that was a terribly boring fight. These are just... Look, come on. The man, fight tonight was freaking awesome. And he, it was a really good fight. It was a, it was a fight. really good fight. Way better than I thought it was going to be, honestly. I'm not with my compatriots. I think Izzy has had some really boring ass fights, and it's not wrong to call them that. And I'll stand by it. But I, it doesn't. He won them, and they're against very relevant good guys. Yeah. Like it's, if you don't, you don't have to like him. And I don't think anyone was calling him the goat. I think the conversation was entirely. He's knocking on the door. He's yeah. not there, but a few more wins, and he's he he puts himself in the conversation because he has clearly established himself as the number two. And that's inarguable. By any rational metric, he's the second best middleweight we've ever seen in the sport. Uh, and that's yeah, – he beat, he's beaten the top six guys in, or I guess five of the top six guys because of Pejera in this division. Nobody else has done that. The only other person who's done that, Valentina Shevchenko. Like you can't say he's not not great, Not one. he was not one of the five best fighters in the world. He just is. You don't have to like him. I'm not saying you have to love his performances because they weren't all they weren't all winners. But you have to respect that he got clear wins over all the best dudes in the world in his weight class, and he lost. And that that doesn't make him overrated. It just means he lost a fight. Yeah, you know Valentina who you know who's the goat, and there are some stinkers on that list. Doesn't mean she's not the goat. Yeah. Yeah. Every goat has stinkers. There is not a soul DJ's alive got, who DJ's has a got goat. stinkers. GSP, yeah. G- GSP's got stinkers. John Jones. Andy, Andy Silver's got stinkers. John Jones got stinkers. Everybody's you know who had a bunch of, of you. Yeah. you know who had a bunch of like not aesthetically pleasing fights through a lot of his UFC run was Habib Nurmagomedov. Yep. They were dominant, but they weren't dominant. the most thrilling fights to watch. Now down the stretch after he won the belt, that was a different dude. He just went out there and just put the boots to people and got him out of there quick. But early on, it was just a lot of take you down and that was it like you didn't really think very, you didn't really think very much about the fight afterward it was just kind of happened and all right moving to the next fight yeah like this Everybody, guy's really good and i don't know if anybody beats him but it's do i want to pay 80 bucks to watch that and down the stretch after the connor fight after yeah from the connor fight on yeah you you did want to pay 80 bucks to watch him because yeah he just got mean out. yeah <laughs> um just came yeah, hundred percent. I like I like I like this question. Let's see where let's see what I'm interested what you guys think. Is Moicano the next Oliveira at one fifty five? Hanato seems to be on the start of a similar path to Charles. I'll let you feel this one, Jen. I could see it. I don't think it is just because he is thirty three and that's it's old to pull this off. because uh, again, Charles is what, thirty two now? Um 
So Charles is going to be – we're probably not going to get another Charles just because he was so young when he came into the UFC. He was like 20 or whatever mm-hmm. and a lot of time to develop and then he hit. Moicano, he can have a great run and he can maybe fight his way into a lightweight ranking. I think he he's flirted on it before. Maybe he was in it before the RDA fight. He's He's got a lot of talent. I don't really know how to deal with him though because – his wins are solid, but not great. Every like good fighter he's faced, he's lost to, which feels like, given the history we have, that he is probably a gatekeeper to the top 10, where he might flirt with the 15 ranking or so, but he's not really going to make a run. But the dude has a lot of skills. He looked great tonight. I thought Brad Riddell was great, and he's sort of fallen off a cliff now. Uh, so he's kind of weird. It's... I, I can't possibly bet on this because lightweight is a f- meat grinder, man. Like I'm never going to believe that anybody at lightweight is going to suddenly make a run at lightweight unless they are like 26 and hyper talented. Cause you're like, give them enough time. That's, that's just going to settle out. They have so much talent when you're talking about guys like Saruki and uh, Gamrot's not 26, but Saruki and Jalen Turner, Islam at the time. Like it's, I can't. I can't say Moicano is going to do that, but I think he's going to hang around in that 15 to 20 range, you know, maybe get inside of that, but not really ever challenge contend. I wouldn't mind it. Um, I would love to see another Charles Oliveira type of resurgence in someone's career, but um, yeah, I just don't think Moicano is that guy, but super exciting, underrated fighter. And uh, I picked Riddell in this fight, uh, coming into the fight, and... Wow, I, I don't know if Riddell was just, I don't know if he's just falling off, falling, like you said, just really falling off because I was yeah, hiding Riddell. Yeah, um, but Mercado's awesome and one heck of a promo. So I'm really, I'm really excited to see what's next for him. He's achieved a lot more than people thought he might when he first like broke in, like solid, solid hand. But I think he's, I don't know if he's an overachiever. But I, I think there have been some certain performances where we're just like, okay, like didn't expect that from you. And I feel like that's going to be the sort of the story of his career until he starts running off a string of wins against like top 10 guys. It, it's it's just so hard in this division. So I forgot there he are beat very Calvin few, Cater. Very few guys. I, forgot, sorry, I, totally, I totally forgot he beat Calvin Cater. Yeah. Yes, Cater's that, that's the best, best one in his resume. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of good. someone who would be like a future Oliveira guy. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying to think of someone. It's just too. it's tough for me to. I'm not really it, seeing anybody that's like jumping off the page at me. It like, would probably be. It'd probably be like Dan Hooker. Like that'd probably be like the closest thing with like the recent like ten fight stretch he's on. Like if he just all of a sudden if this was just the start of him winning eleven fights in a row. <laughs> Yeah. I think he's he might be the answer. Uh, he's not a bad one. I, I was kind of flirting around as like um, Alexander Pantoja just because he had some setbacks, but he's still one of the – like he's a flyweight who's surging. He could run off some. I actually think if we're going like really true to form to what Oliveira is, the real answer is probably Mohamed Mikhaev, who hasn't had the setbacks yet, but like he's still so young that – and he showed some flaws recently that like could be a developmental issue for him moving forward. So like there's a world where Mikhaev catches an L in the near future, has to move up a weight class, kind of bounces around figuring out the 125, 135 thing before finally putting all the pieces together, which is basically exactly Chucky Olives' career path. So I guess he would be my bet, but I still kind of think he's just going to make his way to a belt. So... Actually, I kind of think we already had a Charles Oliver in the sense of Dustin Poirier. Poirier had a very, very Run. similar career trajectory in that yeah. regard as well. Yeah, came in young, bad, some bad losses. Looked good when you looked good, but then lost bad. And we he kind of dismissed a bit, you know, especially after big losses against Connor. And all of a sudden, he's the man. You get a lot of those dudes at lightweight too, because RDA was sort A-G. of the original, original of that dude. Like RDA, yeah, R- came R- in RDA bad RDA, losses, yeah. and then. <laughs> And it's it's weird that it happens at lightweight, but I think it's just because the division's so good that when you get set back, you get set back really far, and it takes time to like really coalesce into the perfect blend of your physical peaks and primes and you being the best fighter you can be. 
And that's how you get dudes like that who just go on a run. I mean, yeah, shit, Benil like- Dariush is like kind of that guy as well yeah, right Benil, now. Yeah, Benil, oh, yeah. 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 I uh, yeah, they're, they're all lightweights. I don't know why it's all lightweights. Yeah, the difference with Benil, he's 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 remained consistent at lightweight. He, he never kind of tried he never to did the reinvent his career in a different weight class. Um, but uh, yeah, just kind of a fun thing to think about. But um, it is a fun thing to think about. You know what? It's time for to go to sleep. Yeah, there you go. Have to wake up very shortly. <laughs> Twenty minutes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, um, so do you though, buddy. I know. I got to check out of the hotel and then uh, do on to the next one with AK at 11 a.m. Eastern. So we'll talk about I think this might be the easiest edition of on to the next one that we're ever going to have. Can I put in one? I want to submit not. No, Uh, I would like to see the great and powerful uh, Chris Gutierrez by Adrian Yanez next. Yes, I'm not picking that, but uh, I I don't hate that idea at all. That's a banger. Here's mine. Here's mine. So I'm not on the show. Don't do the rematch between Izzy and Prayer. Book, because this is the one chance we're going to have in human history to do this fight, and it makes sense. Israel Adesanya versus Sean Strickland. Sean Book Strickland's it. fighting Jared Cannonier. I don't care. Yeah, cancel that fight. So if fight. Jared Cannonier kills Sean Strickland, you still want to do that it? Fight. Still cancel that fight. Throw that fight out. Cancel the fight? Sean Strickland, Listen. Israel Adesanya. Let's see These it. These fight night cards are hurting already with the... Like really yeah, so put Izzy on one. Yeah. All right, there you go. For Jed, for Casey, I am Mike Heck. What a night it was. Love you guys. Go to sleep. Happy birthday, AK. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.